the snap, looking, flips the ball, diving for the pylon, and he's got it! Razzle-dazzle! Touchdown, Houston! And the Texans go in front! Game day is every day. We had a lot of energy, and we brought a lot of spark for this organization. The best is yet to come. Five nights a week, the hits keep on coming. Ball is out, and the Texans say they have it, and they do! Now, it's Texans All Access, presented by First Community Credit Union. Oh, yes, it is. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. John McClain should be with us tonight as well. Welcome to Texans All Access, everyone. It's a wonderful time to have you with us as we look forward to a weekend of professional football during the pandemic. And, Johnny, we start there because somehow, some way, the league is pulling this off. But, you know, the positives, which were really slow to get going early, and that was a very good thing, they're starting to uh, pick up a little steam here, you know. Early on, like week four, week five, you knew which teams had the problems. You know, Tennessee was one of them. You just knew. Now it's like way too many even to even remember. Like, who's closed their facility? I don't know. It seems like everybody's (laughs) had to do it at least once. And, like, some teams hit worse than others. The Texans placed three players on the COVID-19 list. Dylan Cole, Jacob Martin, Whitney Merciless. So they've got to sit out a few days, including this weekend's game at Jacksonville. And, just like injuries sometimes do during training camp, you know, we talk about this when they hit a certain position group. Linebacker appears to be COVID friendly right now with Whitney, Jacob Martin, and Dylan Cole. And they're different kinds of linebackers, but all in the COVID world here, Johnny, as the Texans have to pull it together somehow against the Jags on Sunday. Yeah, there's no question. Look, the Texans, like like all 31 other teams, they've, they've got to pull it together. I mean, look, we – um, we we look at Tennessee. Tennessee had to play on a Tuesday, then play on a Sunday, and they won both of those games. Um, they didn't even practice for two weeks. Look, the depth at outside linebacker stretched thin when you're without two guys, but it forces you, the Texans, that is, to play a guy like John Grenard and see what you got. I mean, that's something that you and I have talked about, Mark, about the second half of the season. We want to see some of these rookies and the young guys get a chance to play or prove they can't play. Well, John Gennard's going to have an opportunity to do that because an outside linebacker now, what do you got? You got Scarlett and you've got Grenard. Am I missing anybody? I think that's well, it. Let me ask you this. Can you go a little more 4-3 look sure. and yes, tweak that, it a little? And I yes. know they do that anyway from time to time, but yeah, yeah, yeah. could we possibly see something like that? Now, they couldn't practice today, but they could probably go over some schematics and then you practice tomorrow and Saturday a walkthrough. Maybe that's enough to get you ready to try to stop that Jags ground game. Well, you got the ultimate game changer in J.J. So you can line up J.J. wherever you'd like, really. Um, if it's a – if hey, look, first and ten, put him outside. Like you said, if you want to play, you know, more of a 4-3, you know, the thing about it is if you're playing 4-3, you probably want Dylan Coles, your third linebacker, out there. But if you play, let's just say you play nickel and you line up with four up front, two linebackers, and then five DBs, you you can always put J.J. on the edge. J.J. on one edge, Scarlett on the other. Or you could put J.J. on one edge and put Grenard on the other. I mean, there are things you can do because you have a guy like J.J. Watt. There's no no question about that. So, yes, you absolutely can do that. Um, and here's, here's what I like about it, Mark. It just – I asked this question of a few coaches, you know, that have to deal with adversity. Like, you don't love it, right? You don't love the fact that, oh, man, I'm without these three main guys. What am I going to do? But on the flip side, 
you love as a coach trying to find a different way to win a game. Sure. And this is the ultimate try a yeah. different way to try to win a game when you're you're dealing with this uh, spike. You're without two outside linebackers, uh, Dylan Cole, inside linebacker. So how do you go about doing it? This is probably and this is one of those times you maybe miss Bernardrick McKinney because a you want to stop James Robinson, but b you always could put Bernardrick outside too. You know that was one place he could always play if you needed him to. So that's where you know Bernardrick had such versatility was he could go out there as well. So I just I think there's an opportunity here for these defensive coaches to say, rally up and go, all right, guys, here's what we got. It's like, it's like the, the Food Network show, Chopped. You open the basket and you go, all right, what do we got? Okay, we got just, oh, we only have two outside linebackers. Okay, right. uh, but we got a bunch of interior linemen. Ooh, look at this I pulled out. This is a big old 99. I can use this everywhere. You know what I mean? If you've seen yeah. the show Chopped, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But the ingredients well, this is are how probably I live my life, really, Johnny. Yes. Uh, you yes. know what do I have? I'm I'm hunting and gathering. Right. And, no, I got I got what you're saying, and I, yeah. I agree with you on the coaches thing because coaches, yeah, no one's going to volunteer for that, but they don't have time to sulk. They they love the challenge of doing what they do. It's kind of like yes. It reminds me of week two in 2017 when you had no tight ends yeah. and Watson was making his first start, and the coaches were very happy with their performance that night. They won the game. They didn't score a lot of points, but they found a way to get a victory and we're going to find a way to get John McClain in here from the Houston Chronicle in general your thoughts as we have these three players on the reserve COVID-19 list Texans have to deal with a little bit of a an adverse situation going into Jacksonville on Sunday welcome no big deal anybody that worries <laughs> about losing three guys Dylan Cole hadn't played on defense he's a special teams player Jacob Martin has two sacks he never plays more than 30 percent since the Jacksonville game he hadn't played more than 34 percent of the snaps Whitney's the only one Whitney hadn't played more than 63 percent of the snaps since Jacksonville and even though he and Martin had sacks and Whitney had a forced fumble or recovery I can't remember they're playing against a rookie quarterback taking his first snap a six-round pick anybody worried about that if they if they don't win then they all ought to be put on the unemployment line and They've started four linemen the last two games. They'll start four linemen again. Most of the time they're playing five and six DBs. And so I don't see it as being an issue at all. It's not like the defense has been very good. They're, what, 31st against the run. They get the worst passer rating in the NFL. And uh, so um, I expect them to win this game handily, to say the least. Jacksonville's has a six-game losing streak. They're tanking. They won't say that, starting a sixth-round pick who hadn't taken a snap over an eight-year veteran in Mike Glennon. So this, if the Texans got to play without starters on defense, this is the game to do it. Now the next one, you hope everybody clears and everybody's back because when they go to Cl Cleveland, they might get the good baker when you're hoping mm -hmm. for the bad baker. John, uh, Landry, would Landry Locker just say that you hiked your leg on the theory that the Texans would be in trouble? <laughs> Is it, would Landry say that? Is that what you just did? It's, he just shot that theory down. Yeah, where's the trauma? Uh, did they be yeah. in trouble with what? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, John, I don't know. This, what, I don't know. I didn't understand that one. Okay, John. the The Texans this week faced Jake Luton. He's a rookie quarterback. He's got skills. He's got a big arm. The last time they faced a rookie was Drew Locke, and he had a big arm, and he gave him some issue with that. I. You just said the Texans should go take on the Jaguars and should handle them. 
But this is a quarterback that does have some skills, and he's got a big arm. Is there any worry on your uh, on your side that the Texans will have some trouble with a rookie quarterback like this? Well, considering they've had trouble with every quarterback, including Gardner Minshew, threw for 301 yards, two touchdowns, and no interceptions, then yeah, they could. And uh, But the murderer's row of quarterbacks is done with, and the quarterbacks they play from now on, uh, including Rivers twice, Mayfield, maybe Tannehill for last game, means something for the Titans. But the way I look at it is if they can go to Tennessee and lose 42-36 in overtime, they can beat the Titans here. The Texans are in a situation where they play four games that are all winnable in the next month. And the key is to beat the Jaguars, to look good doing it. The only thing they've done well is throw the football, you know, the number 32 in rushing. And, and I, you know, you, the best game David Johnson had running the ball was against the Jaguars. So maybe he'll be able to do it again. Jaguars can't rush the quarterback. So I look for Watson to have a fifth consecutive 300-yard uh, game and a sixth consecutive game with triple-digit ratings, and they win this game. And as far as Luton, he'll probably run quite a bit. He's not a great runner. He ran in the fives at the Combine, but based on what he did at Oregon State, he would run when he had to. And like most rookies, I expect he'll be running. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if they don't bring in Mike Glennon. But the key is, you know, they're trying they're trying to, to get into the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes that the Jets are probably going to own. But then if the if your second prize is Justin Fields, and that's that's not too shabby. But the fact is, by starting Jake Luton, you know, they're trying to they're thinking about being as bad as they can be and trying to rebuild with a great young quarterback, which would be bad news for the Texans. John McClain joining us on Texans All Access. John, when you look at the lack of a running game, and you mentioned how well the Texans throw the football and Watson, number one in the league in yards per attempt and everything like that, they have to do better in the first half. What's it going to take? They're being outscored 120-64 to in the first halves of games so far, and that Pittsburgh game kind of skews the total a little bit because they had 21 in that game in the first half. So what is it going to take to be better? Can they, I know they can't go wholesale change here, but they can certainly tweak, do something. What can be done in order to get off to a better start? First of all, I would not run David Johnson on first down. He's averaging 3.2 yards on first down. Everything he runs is between the tackles. I was watching other running games over the weekend, pitching a ball, the backs going outside, running sweeps, just letting the guys make one cut and go, which seems that would be his best system. Whatever Tim Kelly's doing, this goes back to 2018. Whatever you're doing, do something else. Tear it up, start over. i tell you what I would do. What do you have to hang your hat on, your passing game? I know you can't throw the ball on every down. I remember when the Oilers played so well with a run and shoot, everybody expected them to throw on every down, and they were so good running draw plays because the defense was always trying to rush the passer. But in this case, in the first first series, in the first quarter, and I'm not kidding, let Watson throw the ball. Don't run the ball at all unless it's Watson. It can't be any worse. And he is the strength, along with their receivers. They're number two in the NFL with 30 pass plays of 20 or more yards. They loaded at wide receiver, tight end, Jordan Aikens back. The Johnsons can catch the ball. Utilize your passing game. And then when you – and I'm talking about in the first quarter. Don't throw – don't run the ball one time. 
and see if it's any worse. Can't be any worse. Mm. John, if they don't win or lose with Watson, win or Mm. lose with Watson, let him throw a run. Don't let him run an option pitch down by the goal line. Let him roll out and him make the decision on running or throwing. And that is the best chance, I believe, to start better because nothing else has worked. John, if they don't run in the first quarter, I will buy you a steak dinner with all the fixings. <laughs> well, for I don't t- think for they ten will. weeks straight I'll do that because you I, know as well sir, as I do the very first play out of the box is going to be inside zone to David Johnson. You know it. No, you know it. So I know. So no, the Jaguars. No, yeah. I'll bet you guys first down on Sunday is pass. Ooh, I hope first so. first play of the game. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah. I'll go pass. I, I'll go pass. They are they when Watson throws on first down, they're so much better than they are when they run the ball. Play a little play action, make them think about it, but they have to use the pass to set up the run. And I got nothing against David Johnson and half of his interior line. You know, watching the game, going back, he gets hit in the backfield so much, they get beaten up front. And, you know, this, this defense and offense are getting manhandled along the line of both on the line, the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball. And that includes the linebackers, of course, on defense. So they're going to have to score a lot of points. And I believe they will, because right now the Texans passing game is working really well. So go with the hot hand. The hot hand is Deshaun Watson. John, let's talk about the um, idea, the possibility, and I don't think it's going to happen, but of expanding the playoffs to eight teams per conference. And this was, I guess, theoretically or maybe technically, if they would have to miss any games and maybe go by winning percentage to get the top eight teams in per conference. But you and I are old enough to remember 1982. And I thought it was kind of fun that year because you had the big, long strike break. You had only nine games in the regular season, and you had this 16-team tournament for the Super Bowl, and Washington won it, beating Miami, the famous Riggins fourth and one. That was kind of a fun conclusion to the season. And I think this year you could have a lot of fireworks in the postseason with eight teams per conference. Let's do it. First of all, they wouldn't have floated it if they weren't going to do it. And because the owners would make more money, they'd make up some of the money they're not making in regular season. Usually players don't get paid much in the playoffs, but I think the union can negotiate a percentage of that. And I was in my sixth year of covering the NFL that season, and because it was so ugly because of the strike, and they played nine games, people were really excited about seeing more football. Only two teams out of the 16 made the, team, made the playoffs with losing records. They were both eliminated in the first round decisively. The Raiders had the best record in the AFC, Washington in the NFC. The Raiders were upset uh, before they got to the championship game, and so they ended up Miami, I think, beat the Jets in the championship game. Washington, I remember, eliminated the Cowboys. And then the Mm -hmm. Redskins, who had cheated and practiced illegally during the strike, uh, won their first Super Bowl. I told Charlie Cashley one time, I said, how does it feel to have two tainted rings? And, uh, <laughs> and of course, he always denied it, but everybody knew because it got out. The Redskins were practicing in 82 and 87, but I'm sure other teams were. Mark Berman and I used to go out to Missouri City and watch the Oilers. have. They didn't have coaches like the Redskins. They had players trying to decide it to get out there and, throw the ball and run plays and had beer. And it was like, uh, it was like some big family reunion. 
but and they were terrible that year and uh but the playoffs were exciting so i think they're going to do it again they're going to do anything they can to bring in more income and who could blame them for trying and i don't think anybody it's not like they're going to do it every time and because it was such a big hit with baseball to increase that playoff field, go to two out of three wild cards instead of the one and done, which I think now they will always keep. They had, you know, the universal DH. They had their wild thing in, in the extra innings, starting a guy on second. A lot yeah. of that stuff turned out to be good. So I don't see them seeding because the coaches are just adamant that winning divisions should count something. And I'll guarantee you, no team wants to go to Philadelphia in January and try to beat the Eagles. It wouldn't surprise me at all if the Eagles don't win a playoff game and oh. be at least for one day a beast from the East. I think that the division winners, this this argument is so easy to settle. You don't get to play at home necessarily, but you certainly get a spot. If your division's weak, you win it. No, you get your they're spot. not going to do that. Give me a I break. Know, I know they would. The coaches would. go ballistic. The coaches want winning the division to mean something, and that's hosting a playoff game. Remember when the Seahawks were 7-9 and nine and they were underdogs at home against the Saints and they beat the Saints in in uh, in the first round. So that division winner is always going to host a playoff game. I want to say John, the Niners were 4-5 and five that year, by the way, and I'm going to look it up right now. I, I don't say, think that's right. I think it was two other teams that made it with losing records. I but thought it wasn't their the follow-up was terrible to the Super Bowl. So I'm looking it was. It right they now. were off. Well, yeah, they were losers, and they didn't make the playoffs. Either. Oh, they they weren't the two it. teams. Uh, no. There were two other teams that made it, and I can't remember who it was, but it wasn't the Niners. Okay. John, what would push the owners to go to eight games? I mean, it sounds like they want it. I mean, is it a, something obviously they have to negotiate with the NFLPA, but do you think the NFLPA would have an issue with it going to eight teams? What do you think would be the trigger mechanism to put eight teams in the playoffs? Television. Television is the trigger mechanism for everything. If they True. want it and they're willing to shell out the big bucks – both sides will do it. ESPN's deal is up after next season. Everybody up else is up after 2022. They're already starting negotiations. Besides streaming rights, they want Amazon and Yahoo and everybody to get in competition for the streaming rights. Then they got DirecTV. If ABC comes back into it to get Monday Night Football, like they did for so long before they turned it over to ESPN. There's no telling what the next TV deal is going to be like. And it doesn't matter what happens this season because all the networks know the NFL's foolproof. It's always foolproof. And so they're going to, their teams are not losing money this year. They're just not making as much money. And they will make it up when that new TV deal goes into effect. Okay, 1982 postseason. New England was five and four. There's and two played... teams with losing records. I yeah, but I gotta match it up because they don't have the records here in the bracket. They have a bracket. It's so awesome. This would be great for the fans to have just a one-off. We don't have to do this every year. Just this year, like you said, like baseball did. Were you okay with that runner on second in extra innings? By the way, you know, no. I, I, I no. wasn't at first. But as somebody who gets tired of watching pitchers coming in and out, in and out, in and yeah. out, I liked it. I didn't at first, but I adjusted to it. Now, the Astros, I think, were the worst team in the league at bringing in a guy from second base. They lost so many extra inning games because they 
couldn't get the guy over to third base and get him home. But, you know, there's a lot of those things they did that the owners are trying to get the union to do now. And they're talking about the universal DH. They're talking about expanded playoffs. That's a possibility as well. And I think if, if TV offers enough money, we're going to have that playoff feel. People ought to be fired up about it. You know, it's not like it's not going to be like the NBA and the NHL. It's just going to be uh, it's a one-time thing. And I don't know how anybody could harbor any bad feelings considering the financial hit everybody's taken. And if any games get canceled, like say the Texans and Jaguars couldn't play because they don't have and they don't have bye weeks, players don't get paid. So that's why yeah. you get 16 player practice squads. That's why there was not more trades. Why would you want to trade for players when you got guys on your practice squad who are veterans and have been there since the off season? So uh, I think this season, because of the coronavirus, almost anything goes and people just have to be flexible and a playoff field. And I remember how it was in 82. It was exciting. It was. John, and by the way, I feel the way uh, the uh, runner on second and extra innings of the baseball playoffs. I feel the same way about that as I do for college football overtime format, which is I find it very exciting, except when my team is in it. Right. <laughs> it's great when, when other teams yeah. are playing. I'm like, yeah, bring it on. But if my team's in it, I hate both of those formats. Anyway, go ahead, Johnny. Yeah. I, I mean, I hate the runner on second. I, I just I'm sorry. If there's one thing that I'm completely old school about, it is that. I, I don't know why that one – like, Universal DH, I, I've wanted that forever. I just – I never want to watch pitchers hit. I, I, it just makes no sense. Along those lines, John, one of the things that the NFL did this year, and you just mentioned it, is a practice squad. They increased the practice squad number, and they allowed teams to have veterans on the practice squad. To me – that feels like it's worked really well. Do you think that's something that they could potentially keep going forward? I do. I think the union would want it because more players get paid. Mm-hmm. I think it's great that some veterans like Des Bryant agreed to do it. I thought it was uh, too bad Eric Reed wouldn't do it when Washington tried to sign him to their practice squad. And so I think it's good. Anything that gives players more jobs, and a chance to make money, the union should work hard to include that in anything that has to be negotiated with the owners. It's like, we're back to baseball, that that uh, three-batter rule. The worst thing that's happened to Major League Baseball is managers running pitchers in and out, and I loved having that three-batter rule so we wouldn't have to see three consecutive pitchers except, of course, the end of the inning. Then they didn't have to stay in, but uh, – Changes, you know, and I don't like the guy at second either, but, man, I don't like 15 and 16 inning games, especially at night when I'm falling asleep. John, uh, Josh McCown, this is interesting to me because – Great signing. If we took the DeLorean back to 2002 and I said, you know, uh, they drafted David Carr, but there's another quarterback from this class that will be with the team in 2020, and that's Josh McCown, who was drafted in the same class as David Carr and Joey Harrington and Julius Peppers, and here he is as a Houston Texan in 2020. It's just amazing. It's a great move because Josh McCown is one smart SOB. He's been with 12 teams now. He was on a job as an ESPN analyst after last season. Philadelphia offered him a chance to be an assistant coach. He said he still wanted to play. They let him be on their practice squad and live at home. You know, he's a graduate of Sam Houston, third-round pick, played three years at SMU. He's like an extra coach. 
and he's always in great shape. He's a very respected and popular guy. And signing him, Jack Easterby should get a lot of credit for making that move. And obviously he didn't do it if the coaches hadn't wanted to do it, and they did want to do it. And you see with Whitney Merciless and Jacob Martin and Dylan Cole, and they could have more guys test positive and be out of this game. They're not out of the woods yet. They tested today. They test tomorrow. And uh, But you see how that can happen and affect it might have on your defense, like say they were playing the Titans instead of the Jaguars or the Colts, then it would be a huge losses. But having McCown as a quarterback, just as a precaution for COVID-19 for McCarron or Watson, I think was a terrific move. Even if he never steps on the field, having him in the meeting room and on the practice field, I think is terrific. All right, John, what do you have going out of the Houston Chronicle? I wrote tomorrow, uh, Aaron Wilson's got a story, a news story on the fallout of the COVID-19 situation. I wrote about the strategy and how it could affect them uh, against the Jaguars and uh, beyond. And uh, then we've got all kinds of stuff on our TV show, on Channel 2 on Sunday nights, and our podcast. Thank you guys very much, and I appreciate it as always. Thank you, as always, General. All right, you've heard a lot in the last few days about a path to victory. In another context, what's the Texans' path to victory Sunday and in the coming weeks, and what's it going to take to be the top eight in the AFC? All right, I'll stop. Although, you know, I like looking at this stuff because I'm a fan. What can I say? It's Texans Radio. If you love podcasts and you love the Texans, you'll love our Texans podcasts. Now available on iTunes and HoustonTexans.com. Hey, parents and teachers. We know teaching kids at home can be hard, and teaching math can be even harder. Well, Schlumberger and the Houston Texans are here to make math fun with the Texans Stats Challenge. Get your student in the game with worksheets, videos, tips, and more to make math fun using the game of football, all for free. The Stats Challenge, presented by Schlumberger, is designed for sixth grade students and covers a variety of math topics. Find the Stats Challenge and other great resources as we continue to huddle at home at HoustonTexans.com community. Hey. Baby, I just checked out the new Hyundai Elantra. How was it? I have to say, it was a pretty smooth operator. Are you sure you're talking about a car? <laughs> it's a tech lover's dream. The digital key feature lets you lock and unlock the doors. And get this, with dynamic voice recognition, I can control the temperature, roll down the windows, and change radio stations just by talking. <laughs> I know you like that. <laughs> you too can talk to the all-new Hyundai Elantra. Learn more at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to Texans All Access. We are brought to you by Miller Lite. During this time of social distancing, cheering on the Texans over a beer might look a little different today. As the original light beer, Miller Lite has always been there to bring people together through Miller time. Whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste is always close by. Miller Lite, championship partner of the Houston Texans. Great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this season. You can have the original light beer delivered by going to MillerLite.com slash buy beer online and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Now, here's the show. What are the experts predicting about this week's big game? Extra points, Saturday nights at 10.30 or after the late local news on ABC 13. 
Clint Sterner about to get off in this pool. Wait, what does he say at the end of the show on that uh, little hot key drop? Uh, <laughs> Sterner is the guest on Extra Points on Saturday night with Drew Doherty after the late news following the games on ABC 13. Johnny, did you see the picture I tweeted out of Jacksonville, of their stadium during simpler times? I retweeted it. it. I don't know if I, I didn't. I don't know if I looked at the picture per se. Well, it was the pool. It was a pool angle. Oh yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, that's right. You know, the pool was <laughs> yeah. full of people. Yeah, I don't think that'll be that'll be no, happening. No, nah, that's not. Actually, you know, but it, you uh, couldn't you socially distance and have like two people per pool and do it that way? Well, how many Probably people a are in this look. pool right now? Probably like 25 or 30. Oh, in that picture, it's just packed. It's packed. You know what I was thinking about? I actually wrote about this a little bit. You remember our last trip to Jacksonville? It was two years ago. It was Watson time. It was uh, the bus. Yeah, it was Watson on the bus. But here's the other one. What also happened that day? This isn't one people forget about because we – oh, it's the Watson bus game. It was Andre Howe's return from cancer. Oh, that's right. You Remember know that? what? It was too bad because it kind of overshadowed – it got right. overshadowed by the Watson bus story. Yep. Uh, but we still covered it very well. Yeah, yeah. It, was just, it just didn't get all the attention because Watson, you know, taking the bus was unbelievable. Yeah. So – well, I, Actually, I, I did replay uh, last night, and I was thinking, okay, what was the last time I was, oh, that's the Watson bus game. And then mm-hmm. as I went to go look up uh, the, you know, get the sound bites from the FTP, I was on there, and I went, oh, yeah, that was Andre Howe. Uh, and also, there was also kind of a monumental thing that happened to him that week. He's coming back from cancer, but his dad also passed away. And he said when he retired, that was kind of the moment he knew – that he was ready to, you know, step away from football because he Jeez. played football for, you know, for his dad. He wanted his dad to be proud of him. And he said when his dad passed, he just lost the uh, – he lost, you know, kind of desire to play. And that all happened that week. Watson on the bus, Dre Howe returning um, from cancer, Dre losing his dad. All, all in that week leading up to that Jacksonville game. And that was a big game. Both teams were three and three looking, you know, whoever went one was going to get to the top of the AFC South. Mm-hmm. And we just housed them. I mean, just housed them. And from that point forward, it has been downhill for Jacksonville. Well, what a year that was. Mr. McNair passes away that yeah. year. Uh, Andre Ware's uh, mom passed mm. away, which was just, you know, obviously so monumental for him. Yeah. And um, and I remember our booth was just, you know, we were a lot of stuff was going on in that booth. Yep. And a lot of stuff was going on with the team. And it was just – it was quite a year. They oh, won 11 man. games. Uh, the um, – you know, I, I tweeted that pool pick, though, because I just thought, dang, we got to get done with this pandemic somehow. Because, yeah. you know, not that I, you know, rave about the Jacksonville atmosphere so much. In fact, I've made comments because one pool has a lot of kids and one pool has, like, <laughs> bikini babes. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and the pool with the kids, I said on the air once – that water looks a lot murkier. murkier. I don't know what it is. But you it's said definitely... that two years ago, and I almost fell over on the side <laughs> is that what I, laughing. Is that what it yes. was? Yes. Yeah, and it, it was noticeable, like, through my binoculars. Uh, I was like, wait a minute. What's with that water where the kids are swimming? Oh, but anyway, um, here we are. And the injury report today reads that Cam Robinson shows up with a knee. And, you know, when you see the name italicized and bold, mm-hmm. uh, that means he's either changed designations or he's making an appearance for the first time this week, and it is. So that means he suffered some sort of knee issue in practice. I don't know what it is, but it's not a good thing for him. Uh, in fact, it's a DNP. It's a did not participate for him. Right. So I don't know when this happened. So that's tough news for them. Uh, you know, they're breaking in the rookie quarterback. 
this is going to be a very interesting deal as you're going to try to stop that ground game with Robinson. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned the Texans defenders who are out. Uh, McLean doesn't think it's a big deal. But, Johnny, uh, you know, it's a big deal until you do it, right? Right. You have to be able to get it accomplished, slow down that run, and hope that Luton, you know, he doesn't have to make – if you're running the ball well and you're Jacksonville – he doesn't have to make too many big throws. You know, just a few key third downs here and there, maybe a big play here and there. And what if you turn it over yourself and all of a sudden you're looking at upset city in North Florida, something we don't want to see. Yeah, and we've seen we've seen some weird games there. I mean, 2016 or 2015, I can't remember, 2016, yeah. 2016 we go there and, I mean, we can't. We can't move the ball for the most part. And that thing just stayed closer than it was supposed to be. And Bortles kept trying to give it to us. But then we get a lead, and he brings them back, and it's a three-point game at the end. And, you know, Brock's got to make that throw to hop for the first down to, to seal it. And it was like, oh, that game shouldn't have been close. The year before it was the same way. So it, it's always kind of a weird game down there. And now that you're facing a rookie, I mean, you know, what's that guy got to lose? You know, he's going to be sling. He's got a big arm. I mean, big arm. And it's a big guy. But rookie at quarterback, rookie at running back, if Robinson – is unable to play you got inexperience at left tackle so you definitely have got some things not going in the direction of the Jacksonville Jaguars in this one but you've got to go down there and just you got to play the game that you're going to play over the last nine you got to just take one step at a time I think it was either JJ or Deshaun that said it look you can't go you can't go nine and zero in week nine you can go one and oh and you just got to go win the game that's in front of you. And however you decide you're going to do that, go do it. Um, it's been a weird year already, but you know what? Just go go play ball uh, and try and enjoy these last nine weeks because, you know, and I think Deshaun said this too. Look, every team is different. 18 was different than 19, was different than 20, and 2021 is going to be different than all of them combined. So just go out and enjoy each other as teammates and play together, play well together, and, you know, get a W and get out of there. All right, so during the break, got a couple of texts about, are you serious? Like, what would it actually take if there were an A-team field in each conference to get back into it? Well, here, I'm going to really simplify it for everybody. Winning, okay? Yeah, that's it. Winning is, you know, you you, here you are at one in six. You know, you've got to, what do you have to do here in the final nine games? Go seven and two, basically, Mm -hmm. in order to have a shot. I mean, you just do. You, I mean, I think yeah. eight and eight in an eight-team field might do it. You're three games out of a spot right now, okay? Yeah. Three games out of a spot, and there are like three teams that have four wins or something like that, and there are a bunch of teams with five. I mean, but I'm telling you, you could get in with eight and eight, but to go eight and eight is Herculean here because you have to be seven and two down the stretch on the back nine here in order to get it done. Now, it's not impossible. And, right. look, we're all here for it. We're all here to watch week to week and see if they can get on a roll. And, you know, if they get a ton of help, uh, but they're just – Johnny, there are a lot of decent teams here. Bills, Dolphins are having yeah. a nice year. The Raiders are having a pretty decent year. Obviously, you know, I'm not, I'm not even talking about the division winners uh, or leaders, really. I guess the Bills are, of course. But the Ravens are 5-2. and two. The Browns are 5-3. and three. The Colts are 5-2, and two, not even in, in the lead in the AFC South officially right now. you got a lot of squads having pretty decent years. You're going to need some meltdowns along the way, and you're going to need to completely reverse what you did in the first seven games. Mark, I was never a fast like DK Metcalf to just chase down Buda Baker. And so whenever a running back would break through the line the opposite side of where I was, I literally would just put my head down and just have an idea of where I needed to run and just run. Start running. 
just start running as fast as humanly possible. And then if I got close, then you could handle, well, can I tackle this guy? How should I tackle this guy? Do I have to die? What? But I would have never had a chance to tackle him if I just didn't put my head down, didn't worry about where he was, and just ran. And that's kind of what the Texans have to do. They can't worry about what's in front of them. What's in front of them, Jacksonville Jaguars, under 500 team. The Cleveland Browns are over 500, but not a great team right now. No, no OBJ. Then you got the Patriots, well under 500. You got the Lions, well under 500. You know, sprint as hard as you can, putting your head down and just going in that general direction. And maybe you'll catch up to the guy with the ball, and then you can decide whether you can tackle him or not. Or maybe you never catch him, but... You know, you gave it your best effort, and that's what I think this is going to be. Now, the last couple of years, I think, are decent indicators, Mark, of what this team can do after the bye. And in 2018, mm. five and two, well, no, I'm sorry, four and two after the bye. And then after the bye last year, I think it was five and two. I didn't count that last game. I didn't count that last game with, um, or maybe it's the other way around. Baltimore? I think 2018 was. Yeah, I didn't call it, I didn't count that last game against Tennessee because that was kind of a JV squad game. So I didn't really count that. But the winning percentage the last couple of years for the Texans after the bye is like 68, 69%. Hmm. To get to get to the mark like you said of 8 and 8, it would take 7 and 2 after the bye. And that percentage yeah. is a little bit higher than that. They've been pretty good after the bye. But they've got to be even better. And that 7 out of 9 is 78%. So it's tough. But we talked about it all offseason after the schedule was released. These last nine games, look at the schedule. This can play out in a good way for you. You just can't botch the first seven. Well, all right, you botch the first seven. But can you make up ground? <laughs> can you DK Metcalf this thing and chase down Buda Baker at some point and tackle him before he gets in the end zone? Because that's really what you have to do. And to do that, it's one step at a time, one 60-minute step at a time. And you know what? If you start playing like you're supposed to, now you start getting some confidence. Now there's some joy back in what you're doing. And now you look up and go, hey, it's the Colts. We can handle these jokers. We know what to do. But they've got to be able to handle one step at a time before they get there. Yeah, I just feel like their identity right now, it, they don't really have one. You know, they right. throw the ball well, but right. very often it's, it's second-half stuff when you're down at the break. And we went over their first-half problems, uh, how they don't score in the first half nearly enough. Uh, they're not moving the ball well in the first half. And then when it's time to really get it going, yeah, they do get it going, but very often it's too little too late. I mean, obviously you're 1-6, so the record speaks for itself. Somehow, some way, get cranking in the first quarter. How about a touchdown? Or two? I think it's 14 points total in the first quarter all year. They've oh got to gosh. figure out a way oh. to get that offense revved up. And, oh, my gosh, first drive of the game. Can you imagine going downfield and scoring a touchdown in the opening possession? How you know we'd break out the champagne? It'd be fantastic for this team. It'd be the first time they've done it in two years, right, Johnny? We just have to shoot the champagne into the pool. There you go. <laughs> yeah, that's it. You're, you know what? I'd be up You're in going the to the pool. Yeah. You're going to go do the rest of the reports from the pool if they score on that opening yep. drive, even though it's the Jags. I don't care. We got to do something good, Johnny. Thanks a lot for being with us. You got it, Mark. Thank you. All right, around the league we go, and also Houston Methodist minutes and. You know what? Every week I try to pick something 
that's not just a sports thing, but applies to everybody. And, you know, we did COVID and a lot of other topics. And this week I said, all right, back pain. You know, every, not everybody, but a lot of people have chronic back pain. We've got the miracle cure. Actually, no, we have a Houston Methodist doctor talking about that for just a few moments on Houston Methodist Minutes. Plus, what's going on around the league and a little bit more on Josh McCown. It's all coming up here on Texans Radio. Texans All Access continues in a moment. Two is better than one. How many times have you heard that one? More than once, I bet, because it just adds up. For example, there are two, not one, great reasons to fill up with Chevron with Tecron. Number one, unbeatable cleaning power. And number two, or maybe this should be number one, unbeatable mileage. Plus, Chevron puts Tecron in every grade, every gallon of their gasoline. So that's two, no wait, three unbeatable reasons to go with the one and only Chevron with Tecron. Care for your car. Hey, Houston, Keith here from Papa John's. Have you heard about our picks for six? <laughs> It's a special just for you. It lets you mix and match all kinds of different things, all for just $6 each. You can choose between our papadillas, a medium one-topping pizza, cheese sticks, wings, poppers. How about some garlic knots? Even the garlic parmesan breadsticks are included in all kinds of desserts. So try the Picks for Six from Papa John's today. Order online or give us a call. Better ingredients, better pizza. Papa John's Houston. Welcome to Texas All Access. We are brought to you by Miller Lite. During this time of social distancing, cheering on the Texans over a beer might look a little different today. As the original light beer, Miller Lite has always been there to bring people together through Miller time. Whether you're toasting to friends near or far, great taste is always close by. Miller Lite, championship partner of the Houston Texans. Great taste with only 96 calories and 3.2 carbs. However, you and your friends are enjoying Miller time this season you can have the original light beer delivered by going to MillerLite.com slash online and find the delivery options near you. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. Now, here's the show. What are the experts predicting about this week's big game? Extra points, Saturday nights at 10.30 or after the late local news on ABC 13. Boy, I really really hope everyone gets a chance to hear that uh, promo with uh, Seth and his exchange with Romeo Cornell on the uh, Mixed Nuts. Uh, Because Romeo got it started the other day when he said he wasn't trading people for peanuts. Um, Actually, Cal McNair got it started saying uh, we love the players. And, you know, you take it that nobody blew away the Texans. But the point is about the Mixed Nuts thing. Come on, salted planters straight up, let's go. I mean, that's that's the best right there. And don't be throwing those uh, smoked almonds down at too rapid a rate, okay? There's a lot of protein, a lot of, a lot of fat there, okay? It's, it's the good kind of fat, though. That's what they say. What the heck does that mean? I don't know. Apparently avocados have it as well. All right, let's go here as people are emailing in about the emailing, texting in about the uh, 82 playoffs because we brought up the fact that there were eight teams per conference getting in then. It was a tournament. There were 28 teams in the league, and that was Miami losing to Washington in the Super Bowl. And in the AFC Championship game, Miami beat the Jets with Richard Todd. I remember that was a mud bowl. 
and Richard Todd, guy who replaced Joe Namath, also went to Alabama. And Washington defeated Dallas, who was playing Gary Hogaboom in that NFC Championship game out of Central Michigan. All right, a Chippewa. There we have it. Uh, but it was a very cool time to be an NFL fan because they were coming back from the big strike break. You had all these teams in the postseason. And I just think for the league, it's going to be fun if they go to eight teams per conference this year. Now, you'd love to be part of it. And all throughout these years, folks, all throughout these AFC South championship years, I've always told you I'd rather be in it than not. I mean, I'm not saying that I settle, but, man, it's such a joy, such a privilege, and a pleasure to get to the postseason. And this year you're 1-6, and six, and it's long odds to make it, and I hope they do somehow through some miracle. But I never, ever, ever take it for granted to be a winner, to be a winner and in the postseason, and I love that. Now, don't love exiting because that hurts no matter how you do it, and you'd rather win it all, of course, duh, but let's get in there. Now, I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, but my point is all those years when I'm saying, hey, guys, you got a winning team, you got a team that wins more than it loses, that's a very good thing. You know, that I get it that you want to be winning Super Bowls, but you also want to be winning. The joy is in the journey, and the journey this year is very rough at 1-6, and six, and let's hope they uh, can get on a little bit of a roll here after the break. Now, I promised you this. Chronic back pain is a big problem for people. Dr. William Waters of Houston Methodist talks about chronic back pain. I caught up with him on this very subject. Well, right, Mark. And, in fact, uh, you, you put a very important word in there when you said chronic. Uh, acute back pain, the kind of thing that happens over the weekend, you know, that happens a lot. That's a high percentage of patients that we see on a daily basis. Our treatment uh, difficulties come in those patients who don't uh, seem to ever get over it or who just get recurrent episodes. So the kinds of chronic back pain we see are just sort of unremitting. It just goes on and on no matter what you try. Or the, the frequently recurring, every time I run, I get back pain. Those are the two biggest groups. Uh, there's a very small group of patients who get chronic back pain who have a very serious other problem, and we're not going to talk about those today. Those are people who have, uh, you know, serious diseases like cancer and so on, and that's a whole different game. But the, the common chronic condition is one that's very frustrating for uh, both doctors and the patients. What's the most common cause of back pain that you find? Well, in our, in our practice, and especially now during the pandemic, uh, we're seeing patients who are increasingly deconditioned. They can't get to the gym like they used to for the most part. It's still hard to do that. Uh, they're not running as much as they used to. Uh, most of lower back pain is the combination of the natural aging that takes place in the spine, and that's referred to as a degenerative disc condition, superimposed upon which uh, you know daily activities, work demands, family, etc., uh, slowly deconditions the patient's uh, core strength over a period of months and years. So as we get above the age of 22 or 23 and on into the 50s, uh, it's a deconditioning syndrome superimposed upon aging. So you would say exercise is really the best prevention, but you got to do the right kinds of exercises, right? Absolutely critical. You know, let me just uh, take it away from you here for a minute and tell you that there was a very important study done a few years ago uh, by the Bill and Melinda Gates uh, Foundation, and it found that low back pain is the number one disability in the world in terms of loss of income and loss of uh, productivity. The vast majority of that is a result of deconditioning. Wow. Okay. So stay in shape, do the best you can doing that. And so interesting to find that uh, COVID and 
a little bit of a lack of activity is certainly contributing to this. Doctor, thank you so much for your time. We really appreciate it. You bet, Mark. All right, there it is, Dr. William Waters, Houston Methodist, the official health care provider of the Houston Texans, Houston Methodist leading medicine. Log on to HoustonMethodist.org for more information. Deconditioning. Boy, I can relate to that sometimes, huh? Don't decondition. Condition. Get active. Do the best you possibly can. Thanks so much for listening tonight. And Brandon Porter is our producer, always doing an excellent job. We have Thursday Night Football coming up. Enjoy it. Johnny Harris back tomorrow at 6. The whole gang will be with him. I'll have Romeo Cornell on, and we will rock and get ready for the Jags on Sunday. Have a great night, everyone, and go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. Hey, Texans fans, Drew Doherty here. Are you looking for a new home? First Community Credit Union has everything from purchase loans to construction loans, VA loans, and more. With our competitive rates, low to no closing costs, and rate match guarantee, FCCU can help you navigate home ownership. Discover your options at FCCU and get pre-approved today at FCCU.org forward slash home loans. First Community Credit Union is the official credit union of the Houston Texans. First Community Credit Union is an equal housing opportunity lender. Love getting prices that are lower than low on backyard favorites like real ready hamburgers and fresh picked strawberries? Then shop at Kroger. We give you more ways to save on the fresh you love with tools like the Kroger app where you can find personalized coupons on top of weekly sales. Plus, rewards like fuel points, giving you prices that are lower than the everyday low. Kroger, fresh for everyone.